It is the Brotherly Love Podcast, a mobile edition. Joe Donald, John Mita, and it's probably a celebratory episode as well, as Johnny Mita, I'm sure, is through the roof with the Sixers acquisition of James Harden. Lots to get into in today's show. We'll talk all kinds of Philly sports topics, but we are going to lean heavily, and I mean heavily, into the James Harden trade, plus a little Super Bowl conversation as well. Johnny Mita, what's up, my man? How are you? Oh, my God. I, I, it's just, it's, I'm so happy. I can't even tell you. It's finally, the saga is over. Now we can actually say this individual's names. Ben Simmons, don't let the door hit you in the ass on the way out. <laughs> I'm so happy that, that we are rid of him. And this was just an unbelievable move. And you have to give so much credit to Daryl Morey pulling this thing off because what you got in return, I know they gave up a lot, but what you got in return, could be, you know, the final stamp of getting to the next level. And I'm just excited. And I, I can't wait. Where and do you want where do you want to start, John? I mean, there's so much to unpack yeah, here. There's so many sure. layers to it. You want to rip Ben Simmons for an hour. You want to talk about Harden. You want to talk about what they gave up in the deal, Harden and B together. Yeah. So, uh, the fact yeah. that James Harden, it sounds like, has already agreed to spending next year with the Sixers and what that means financially, et cetera. Like it's the floor is yours, my friend. Well, I mean, it's there is a lot to unpack. First of all, the biggest question that's rolling around the city right now is, did we give up too much? And I would answer that question, absolutely not. Um, you know, there's other pundits, Stephen A. Smith. He's an absolute moron. I saw him come on yesterday, and he was talking about how that Brooklyn owned this trade. They're getting three key pieces and blah, blah. This is going to be the biggest mistake at Darrell Moore. He's just an idiot. What? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Look, I could see how you could say the Sixers gave up a lot. I could see how you would say, all right, it's a fair trade for both sides. Or yeah. maybe, hey, this could bite the Sixers if Simmons comes back to haunt them, which I don't think is going to happen, but you never know. Not in our but life, to come though. out on the other side that far on the fence, yeah. it's just uh, him being a donkey. It's, it's preposterous. I mean, it exactly. just really is. Now, look. My biggest thing was I didn't want to give up Tyrese Maxey. They didn't do that. I really didn't want to give up your boy Matisse Thibel because yeah. of his defensive prowess and the fact that without Simmons and Thibel, they don't play a lick of defense. That's everything I've heard. Tess tells you that. They didn't give up either of those guys. Was Andre Drummond doing a great job filling in for Embiid and being a backup center, grabbing boards, putting some buckets home? Yes. But I think you can find a backup center, you know, or – go a little bit smaller with Millsap and what have you. It's it's the NBA. You don't need a seven-foot guy to win all the time. So uh, that's my take on it. I, I, I just didn't want Maxie to go 110%. And I was, you know, also sort of on the, it'd be nice to keep Thibel trade. Now, Seth Curry, you know, if you had told me a month ago or at the start of the season Seth Curry was going to get traded, I'd have probably been like, nah. But everything I understand is he's not having that great of a year. Now he's uh, he's really struggled, especially the last six game, like twenty six percent from the three point line. So Both Curry brothers have not been uh, yeah no, to he their lo- normal perfect selves. And again, and I think he kind of looks like a guy that's like out of gas. You know, he's was kind of forced into the starting lineup, and I think he better serves as a bench player. Do you know what yeah. I mean? And uh, obviously, he doesn't his you know his defense. Is, is not great, as we saw him get exposed in the playoffs by Kevin Herter last year. But just to unpack the trade, 
The fact that they were able to pull this off and keep Tyrese Maxey and Matisse Thibel, when you want to keep Matisse too, it's because he's another athletic wing and they don't have enough of those on the team. So, and, and, and the beautiful thing is they get to keep those guys. Because yesterday it was reported that they wanted Seth Curry, Ben Simmons, Matisse Thibel, and Andre Drummond. And for me, that would have been too much. Do you know what I mean? I think that's, that would have been too much. And I think Daryl Morey held his ground and said, listen, we're going to try to go get him in the summer anyway. He's not resigning with you. So at that point, they don't have any leverage. This was the best deal for them. I'm not saying Ben Simmons can't be a decent player. I think actually he fits perfectly out there because he's like the third or fourth fiddle. He won't have the pressure on him of being the guy. And it's it'll be a good situation for him. Do I see him haunting us in the future? Absolutely not. We saw what his work ethic was like for five years. See you later. All right. Um, <laughs> so I just let's, I, let's talk for let's a minute. Talk then. James Harden. Give, yeah, give me James yeah, yeah. Harden. Give me your right. breakdown. I'm a little less excited, I think, than the majority of fans. I know if you pulled the fan base leading up to the trade, there was a lot of like, I don't want them. I yeah. want them. There was there was seemed to be a split in the you know at least on the WIP side of things for, as far as callers go, right? That's my other than talking to some buddies and listening to right. sports radio back in Philly. Like I don't, I can't pop in the Wawa and get the vibe of the dude making shorties. So, yeah. well, it well, the seems other thing- like it was it was a little bit of a split. Now it seems like the deal's done and people know what they gave up. They're a little more excited. But break down the James Harden acquisition for me because the whole out of shape thing. His style of game, it's got me a little, like, I'm excited because they could win it all, and obviously that's the goal. But part of me was like, man, this guy's going to make $50 million in the future, and he's not getting any. Yeah, so he, here's here's the thing. You know, he's had a pretty, well, can, for him, it's actually a down year. But you still look at his numbers. I mean, he averages 25 points a game, 11 assists, and, like, eight rebounds. Shoots 85% from the foul line. And the thing that he brings to the table is not only he's a great distributor, but he's the one guy on this team now that can get his shot anytime he wants to, and he's an absolute closer. And for me, that is the biggest part. Because if you look at how this team has struggled the last couple of years, it's when like Embiid has a rough game, right? So he's not really feeling it. Then they had to go to Toby. And let's say Toby's off. He's in a witness protection program. Right. Now you get a guy that can just take over a game and drop 40 to 50 points where he could get you 20 assists. I mean, he is so versatile. I think between him, they might be the best duo in the NBA right now. There's a lot um, of talk of the pick and roll game with those two, something oh, Embiid hasn't had to do a lot of, a whole lot of because they haven't had the skill right. set or the players around them to do it. How do you yeah. see that playing out? No, I think I think he plays – I think James Harden plays at a nice pace. You know, he can ramp it up when he needs to, and he can also yep. play at that pace that's going to serve Embiid well. And, and, and when he's getting double teamed, he's going to find people wide open. I think Tobias Harris is really going to benefit from this move. I really think that this kicks him into another gear. And then that way he goes back to his role where he's third fiddle, and he feels a lot more comfortable in that role than being the second guy. Um no, I mean, obviously, the questions, the concerns, right? It's like, oh, is he going to be out of shape? Is he going to be motivated? Does he want to play? He's getting older. He's got a lot of mileage on it. And he's, you know, one of the nightlife, similar to the great Allen Iverson. So um, I could see why people are a little apprehensive. But I think this is the first time in his career he's going to play with one of the best players that he's ever played with. 
And I think he's very excited about that prospect. And I know Joel Embiid has a lot of respect for him as a player. Um, so it's tenure. And he, it, did he get some time, John Mita? Did he get some time at the end of his tenure in Houston with Yao Ming? Do you remember? I know it would have been a very end of his career, Yao Ming. But I'm trying to remember if those two cross paths there. I don't. I think Yao retired because you got to keep in mind he stayed. He was one in Oklahoma City for two to three years as a rookie. Yeah. So, but it, look, I mean, a couple of years ago, I know it's like five years ago, but I didn't realize this guy averaged over 35, 36 points. Like, I mean, it's just wild to do that in a season, and. He, he's just going to alleviate pressure. Now, I know a lot of people are also upset. They're like, oh, they gave up two first-round draft picks. Listen, if you're picking in the high 20s at that point in the NBA, this is the one professional sport. You can just, might as well flip a coin to see if you're going to land a player. You right. know what I mean? So the draft picks I wasn't really concerned with. And I like the fact that he opted in for the next year. So you know that he's committed, right? So you don't have to weigh – Take this half season to see where it ends and then go into the next. Oh, is he going to resign? Is he going to opt in? The fact that he established that and did that immediately, that is a great sign. That means he wants to be here. And the flip side is that for Sixers fans, if in a year and a half he doesn't, you know, it doesn't turn out for either sides, maybe then he walks and then we go get somebody else. I mean, yeah. you know, worst case scenario. And I, I like I like that part of it. Now, yesterday when the deal went down, I don't know if that had been announced that he was – already committing to next year. And so that was another part of my apprehension about the move. But what I really didn't want was, and and look, if you went and got him in the summer, which Uh was likely, you know, Uh Daryl Morey, this kind of his guy, and maybe a little vice versa. He's got a little love for the GM this Harden. Yeah. But you were, the fear for me was the max deal, the five years at 200 some million dollars. And then this guy's 36, 37 years old. He's untradeable. He's not retiring and he's a shell of himself. And that just concerned me for what was going to be a bleak future because Embiid now, maybe at the end of his career, four or five years from now, you hope he's still a sixer and healthy, but who knows with the big man. And that just had me like, again, a little on the fence of, man, I want him to go all in. I want him to win it all and give themselves the best shot. But is this really the guy? You know, because we had talked about Dame Lillard and Bradley Beal and all these names over the last five months since Simmons pulled this Houdini act. And quite frankly, he should have been booted out of town the day after that game seven loss to the Hawks. But it is what it is. I mean, I I think I I feel better about it now, knowing that it's a year and a half. And if you don't like the year and a half or if it doesn't work, you have the ability to move on. Exactly. You don't, you're not committed. You're not looking for a trade partner. He just walks. Yeah. And, he and walks. that's fine. Maybe there's a championship and he goes elsewhere for the money and you say thanks very much for the ring. If it doesn't work, whatever. Or maybe he commits to like a smaller deal for whatever reason. Uh, that's probably an absolute long shot. But I'm just saying there are options you have as the Sixers in 2023 or 2024 as opposed to being tied to this guy until 2026 or 2027 at 50 to 60 million a year when he's not a great player anymore. Yeah. I mean, obviously the salary cap is going to go up over the next you know couple of years. That should help. They'll probably sign a new TV deal, which could also give a lot more relief, but I understand the concerns. I mean, I mean, you know, people looked at the, you know, the Bryce Harper contract. It was like a 13-year deal. You know, is he going to be worth it those last three to four years? I mean, who right. knows? But 
Yeah, I, I, I get the concern there. I'm going to give you something, Johnny Meter, and I'm sure you saw this or heard about it, or you're, you're savvy enough, guy. Sure. Vegas, and I just heard this on 97.5 The Fanatic, so this is not my own research, just full disclosure, but Vegas apparently had the Sixers at 11-1 to championship odds before the trade. They were cut in half. They're now at seven to you know, one, five and five and a half yeah. to one. So yeah. the old eleven hundred, you know, uh, as far as the payout goes. So your Vegas has basically said their chances doubled to be champs with one move, and that tells me all I need to know because Vegas doesn't mess around, as you know. They don't like getting taken to the cleaners. And so they have the Sixers going from 11 to one to basically five and a half to one to win the title with one trade. That's enough for me right there to know. Yeah, this is a move that no matter where some of the pundits come out or no matter how much better the Nets might have gotten or not gotten, the Sixers improve their title chances massively. Yeah, I just I just love the way that Bradley or um, the way that Daryl Morey handled this situation from day one. I heard an interview with him on Mike Missinelli's show. I guess it was like in October. And he said, listen, we're, we're here. We're going to play the long game. Yep. You know, my job is to, I don't care if he sits, we'd rather have him come back. But if he doesn't want to do that, we're going to figure out a way. And he's like, we'll sit here and we're going to wait for somebody. And, and, and all these people are like, you got to get him shipped out. You can't waste the beads MVP year. This is crap. This is bull. Like you, you got to do something. And, you know, people offered him up deals. I know Sacramento was a deal that might have been close, but, you know, the Sixers wanted De'Aaron Fox and they wanted Halliburton. And I think that's where the Kings are like, that's too much. So, listen, he waited. Damian Lord, as much as he was like my number one choice, he's not going anywhere. Apparently he just loves the great city of Portland. So he didn't look like he was moving. Bradley Beal, that would have been another option. He's been so flaky. Does he stay? Does he go in Washington? Um, so, and, and, and listen, right now, Joe, they have two of the top ten players in the NBA. You know? Yeah. And, and I like my odds when I can put that piece together. Listen, the NBA, I, as much as any league, is a star-driven league, right? I mean, that's it. in hockey, you, gotta, you talk about great goaltending, right? In baseball, it's starting pitching. Football, if you don't have a quarterback or a quarterback at least playing at a high level, a la Nick Foles, yeah. you're probably you probably got no shot. And in the NBA, if you don't have guys and you know how the playoffs get called, you got to get to the free throw line. And I joked yesterday in our little text thread, like Sixers games are going to be nothing but Embiid and Harden shooting free throws, which pains me because it's so damn boring. But your quick response was, yeah, they'll be shooting them at like 85%. Which, you know, exactly. you can flip that 85% number to 58%. It's still better than Ben Simmons. So yeah. um, I like it. And, and let me add one more thing. Sure. I give you give credit to Daryl Morey 100% agree. He handled it like a veteran GM. Mm -hmm. And at the end of the day, he comes out smelling like roses. But this Sixers team, had they floundered, had they not galvanized, had they not played energized basketball, great team basketball, had they not put themselves into a top, what are they, two games out of the top spot in the East? I, I know it's jumbled up. They might be sitting at five or something. But yeah. if they were the 10 seed a month ago or eight weeks ago, they're four games below 500, Maury might have been forced into making a deal that wasn't as good as this one. He might not have been able to get hardened because the pressure to get in the playoffs – 
or get something for Ben Simmons would have been rising in this city. Okay. And so you got to give credit to the guys that took the court, said screw Ben Simmons, played team basketball, and through the first half of the season, did a hell of a job. Yeah, and on track to win, you know, 50 games without him. I mean, essentially. Yeah. Um, and and it's it's just, I just love it. I mean, people wanted, literally wanted to trade Ben Simmons away for, like, fringe pieces. And Darren Murray said, listen, I'm here to win a championship. If I don't think it's a good enough player, I'm not doing the deal. And listen, I'm I'm really excited. Um, you know, they already have a billboard up <laughs> welcoming James Harden right on uh, 95. I thought you were going to say something about Simmons, but I'll take the Harden welcome billboard uh, too. Uh, uh, well, g- give me two well, things, John. Well, my thing. One, yeah. one more thing about how Ben Simmons played this all out. Okay, to use the excuse of mental oh, health, please. it's such a it's such a touchy subject, especially in this country right now. Like. To use that because you want to take your ball and go home, it's really shameful. And uh, it is. Yeah, I mean, and you don't want to call a person out, like you know. No, call him middle. out. I mean, let's be honest. He as soon well, it's as so he funny. said it, as it's soon so- as he said it, I'd say uh, it was a coin flip or more of people that are like, ah, it seems a little convenient. Look, it's something we're all aware of now. It's being talked about more, and that's a good thing as far as mental health and your emotional stress and all these things. And and, and again years ago did anybody ever talk about depression did anybody ever say man my job's really beating me up no you went home you complained to your wife or whatever you did and that was the end of it now like it's a you know people are more open about it there are channels and resources to get you help but i think i and it's not just ben simmons what he did was disgusting yeah you know on on the surface if he had no issues to use that excuse is disgusting and it's awful but I feel like more and more people are – I see it all the time on social media. Like, oh, I'm switching jobs because of my mental health. Or, yeah. man, yeah. I just – like, yeah. the, there's clinically depressed and there's, man, I hate my job. And I feel like there's a lot of gray area in between. So I don't want to get into it too much. But I, Ben Simmons isn't the only person that is currently that I can see out there. Yeah. That is that has played this card. He yeah. played it though in a very public forum, right? And said, "I can't show up and do my job because of this." All right. right? He didn't say this has been hard on me, which he probably would have gotten crushed for, and I get it. Right. But he went the route of of using the term mental health, or his people did. And at the end of the day, the second he gets traded, he's magically ready to play again. Like, that's not mental health. That's, I just don't like where I'm at. And there's oh. a difference there. And, and it's exactly it's so funny. It's like, how soon will Ben Simmons' mental health clear up? And then I wrote, like, on 20 text chains, like, tonight. The next thing you know, you hear that he's going to be joining the team, Brooklyn. They played last night in Washington. They, I mean, they got beat. And now, now he's just going to join the team in Miami like nothing ever happened. So, see you later. Couldn't come soon enough. And like you, you put it very well said, man. What he did was just any any hijacked a franchise, yes. you know. And, and he look, got paid all that money. I know he well, was well, getting fined, but he's well, still getting paid. Yeah, well, they set up the twenty. Well, and then that's what Brian Windhorst also said. He goes, "Well, Ben Simmons will get his game check tonight." I bet. I'm like, "Oh my god, yeah. oh my god!" Right? What a joke. Johnny Mita, quickly give me a scouting report on Paul Millsap, the other player acquired in the deal. 
Oh, yeah. Um, Paul Millsap, you know, Wiley veteran, just turned 37 years old. He's a bit of a small forward, kind of power forward tweener. Um, can shoot the ball from mid-range game, can post up as well, decent rebounder, um, plays decent defense. He's a great bench guy because now, like, he's a guy that could spell Tobias Harris. So he wasn't really necessarily happy with his role in Brooklyn. I think he wanted to log some more minutes, so bring it on. I think that was, a you know, again, I don't know if then they buy out his contract and maybe the Sixers make another move, but I kind of like that as well. Just another veteran presence. So you're and starting he, five, Maxi, Harden, yep. Harris, Thibault. Thibault and Embiid. You Correct. got Danny Green, Millsap, yep. Ferky. Ferky. Is Ferky. Shake alive or dead? What's his status? Uh, he's upgraded to a knee contusion. Who knows? He's coming back at some point. But right. I, I, I think they're also going to make a couple moves in the buyout market. I don't know if they pick up a shooter like Gary Harris or a point guard. Obviously backup center. Or do you just go with the young kid, Charles Bassey, and let him have at it? He's kind of like a Clint Capella comparison as far as their uh, similar skill set. So, yeah, it's uh, yeah. overall A plus. John made us happy. Overall, I would give this tray. All right, A plus if we win a title out of this. That, that'll be the final grade. But on the surface right now, you got to give them it. I'll give it an A minus. A minus. I mean A. I don't know. I mean, the, to keep Maxi and Thibault, that was the clincher for me. Yep. The fact that you didn't have to give up one of those two important pieces, I think we killed the deal. But that's just me. Love it. All right. It's the Brotherly Love Podcast. Joe Donald, John Mita. Uh, I got a stat of the day for you before we get in the Super Bowl because it's a Super Bowl stat. Are you ready, John Mita? Give it to me. The highest graded quarterbacks. In the Super Bowl since 2006. This is QB rating. Okay. Mm-hmm. Highest graded QBs in the Super Bowl since 2006. Number one on the list. Big. You know what? Nick. Nick uh. Foles in 2017, a 92.3 QB rating. The highest uh. in the Super Bowl in 15 years. Russell Wilson second, Aaron Rodgers third, Eli Manning, and then Joe Flacco in 2012. Uh-huh. Um, now, I'm a little – look, those, all those guys are at least Foles, Wilson, Rodgers, and Manning. Manning from 2011 were all bunched together as far as uh, mere percentage points. But Nick Foles, the highest graded quarterback. Uh, these actually might be not ratings, but pro football focus. They're the ones that tweeted out. So it might be a pro football focus rating in the Super Bowl since 06. But Nick Foles at oh. 92.3. I mean, he Foles played, we trust. He played the game of perfection that day, buddy. He sure did, my man. All right, what do you got on the Super Bowl Sunday? The yeah. Bengals, who probably shouldn't be there. I Look, the Bengals gave up nine sacks in a road playoff game and won. Mm-hmm. And that wasn't even in the championship game. So, playing with house money, maybe. They find a way to get it done. Their defense is just good enough. I worry about their pass protection against the Rams. How do you size up the Rams going to the Super Bowl for the second time in a handful of years with first-year quarterback for them, Matt Stafford, and the great Cooper Cup, et cetera, against those Cincinnati Bungles? Yeah, I mean, this is going to be a fun matchup. Um, obviously, Joe Burrow, 
Joe Cool. He's never lost a um, a postseason game in his career. He's like seven and zero between the college playoff and you wow. know NFL playoffs. Um, which, but you're right. I think the biggest thing in this game is going to be pass protection because L.A. Rams, you know, they went all in. Um, they acquired the the services of Von Miller to get a defensive end to link up with Aaron Donald. And the, if they gave up nine sacks against the Chiefs, they might give up fifteen that against the Titans. One. It was the Titans. The Chiefs. I don't know. The Chiefs maybe only had uh, one sack, but Burrow escaped in the fourth quarter from a couple, turned them yeah. into scrambles. Which, again, he's not a running QB, but he found a way. They, the Bengals have a vibe like the Eagles did, where it's like nothing faces them, and they yeah. find a way to get it done. The one thing about the Eagles, though especially when Wentz was the quarterback, is they were just burying teams in the regular season, if you remember. And they also, with Foles at quarterback, blew the doors off the Vikings in the NFC Championship game. The Bengals haven't beaten anybody handily. They, they make last-second field goals, it yeah. seems like, every week to move on. So they've got that magical vibe. I just wonder if the magic runs out because Burrow's just running for his life all day. And there's only so many times you can lose in the trenches – and find a way to win a football game. But they come up with timely turnovers on defense. They have great weapons and good balance offensively. I, I don't think they're I don't think there's a part where they're never in this game. I just wonder if, you know, they look, they were down what? Almost three touchdowns to the Chiefs yeah. on the road and they find a way to win. So I you can't count this team out. I think the Bengals and they've proven it this year, I think numbers wise, a really good second half team. So if the Rams and the Rams have struggled to put games away, look at the Niners each of the last uh the end of the regular season and the Buccaneers game in the playoffs. So the Rams don't play a complete sixty minutes. They just have so much star power. How do you stop Cooper Cup? They've got good running backs. If Matthew Stafford protects the football, I look I the Rams are a favorite for a reason. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, listen, they went all in to go get Matthew Stafford yep. as well. Um, they don't have they, a first round pick until like like twenty thirty. We're gonna be like, like sixty years old. And, and, and again, that's not even a joke. I mean, it's yeah. it's crazy to get Jalen Ramsey. I mean, they have yep. literally given up the form for everything. But and you also have to look at the coaching, right? Like now, this is Sean McVay's. This is his second Super Bowl. Yep, he says that point. he's. You know, that he learned a lot. I think every coach, you'll hear even Dick Vermeil, and congratulations to coach for yep. finally landing that final induction in the Hall of Fame this summer. But um, he said that he made some mistakes. So if you get to go back again, you know, it, l- listen, I mean, look at, look at what Andy Reid did, right? Like, you know, they found out, you know, there was – you know, there was talk that the Patriots were taping people's practices at the Super Bowl, right? And so what did Doug Peterson do? Well, the day before the game, he does a completely fake walkthrough, doesn't run anything in the walkthrough so that they didn't put anything on tape. And I got to be honest with you, the Patriots defense looked a little confused that day. Oh, yeah. But, but yeah, so I, I'm with you. I think the key is going to be this. The offense line is not going to be able to – if they – if he – if he's sacked, let's say, under – I'm going to say under three times, the Bengals will have a chance to win it if it's over that. I just don't know if they can – but you got to keep in mind, too, Cincinnati's defense played incredible against Patrick Mahomes. I mean, as much as people say, oh, you got to have that, that quarterback, you need that guy to win that game for you, 
I mean, say what you want, but I mean, their defense is the one that created the turnovers in the end and just made Mahomes feel so uncomfortable. So yeah. you got to give Look, them credit. They never got into a rhythm in the second half, the Chiefs. No. And never. I blame Andy Reid. At the end of the first half, the Bengals got that, I don't want to say miracle touchdown, but the touchdown to get them back in the game, right? The Chiefs go all the way down the field in a, in a blink of an eye, just like they tend to do. And they get down to a, what, second and goal or first and goal, and they're running out of time. And with five seconds left, they try and run a play. We yeah. see, we saw it how many times with Andy Reid and Donovan McNabb. And you're thinking, oh, it's Mahomes. He won't make a mistake. Yeah. Look, in the moment, sometimes you get caught up in trying to make the play. Exactly. And they should have kicked the field goal. I, I will never not believe that. You get momentum back on your side, and you add a valuable three points to your lead before the half. Now, all of a sudden, you go into halftime. You're at home. Yes, you have the lead. Yes, but the Bengals are getting the football, and now they feel good about themselves. You know, they feel like, man, we're right back in this game now. Now we're only two scores out or whatever it is, as opposed to three. Like, I I don't remember the point differential at the time. But – at the end of the day, they lost by three points. And I, I will never get over. It was too aggressive. It was too cocky. It was too weak. No big deal. You take the three points there, okay? When it was first down and you had 13 seconds left, yeah, you play for the touchdown. But when you got down to five seconds left, no timeouts, you got to kick that field goal. Plain and yeah. simple. Yeah. Well, so, again, know. I feel like the, you know, the Bengals survived the Raiders' furious comeback. Derek Carr throws an interception at the goal line in the wild card game. Bengals emerge victorious. They win on a last-second field goal Against the to Titans. beat the Titans. Okay, after Tannehill throws a pick late. Then yeah. they beat the Chiefs. I mean, again, they, they have found a way in all three games. You have to give them credit. Extra week off. Sean McVay, I, I don't know how you stop Cooper Cup, and Odell Beckham Jr. is having a resurgence right now. So, it's look, it's going to be a tough, tough ask for this Bengals team to play a solid 60 minutes to come out on top. Again, I hate to rule them out, but I really think the Rams have a chance to win this football game by a touchdown or more. Yep. No, I think that's a good assessment. Uh, unless you just have one of these lights out performances, like Joe Burrow's, just like lights out, like Nick yeah, Foles. Yeah, and was. he could be. Yeah, he could yeah. be, and it would be, you know, it'd be an amazing story. Yeah. Second year guy tears his knee. Yeah, if we're going to come back, player of the year. Yeah, young young coach. Exactly. And for that fan base, you know, look, Listen, I'm a hater that, by would nature. It, would I don't it, would, like when anybody wins if it's not my team. Yeah. But there's certain teams that I just really like. I like when they suffer. Yeah. And I like when the Bengals suffer. I, I do. I'm sorry. Call me a hater. That's fine. I embrace it. Dude, that is so weird. I gotta be honest with you. I've never. I didn't know you had hate for the uh, for the Bengals organization. Well, some of it's personal. I oh. mean, okay. Like if I if I know somebody that's a oh. Bengals fan, which oh, I do, oh, like gotcha. I would just. You know, the Rams, I don't know any Rams fans. I don't care. It's L.A., well, whatever. Like, well, I mean, go buy your championship. That's fine. It doesn't, it doesn't affect me either way. 
But when yeah. you know a Bengals fan, and it's just nice that, like, I know the misery of losing John Mina. Yeah. And you know it too. Exactly. I'm a hater. Like, I don't want anybody else to enjoy 2017 like we did. Yeah. Well, well, to get their first, right? This would be yeah. their first, right? Oh, yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, I mean, I'll tell you what, though. It's hard for me to root for anything in the state of California. So, um, <laughs> I'm definitely going to be rooting for the Bengals so in you're this just one. A, you're just a California hater? Hater, 159, uh, 60 million. I mean, what's the like? The Dodgers, the Lakers. Uh, she stole my Lakers tickets. You know, they're not even the LA Rams, man. They're, yeah. you know, uh, well, and and that and that's the sad part, right? They moved two football teams out there, and they literally have no fan base. Yeah, but they get a billion dollar building. It's all good. Playing at home, yep. so to speak. Exactly. Does it help the Rams? One hundred percent. Yeah, I think so too. I mean, you get your own, you know, your facility. You don't have to move anything. The equipment guys don't have to go anywhere. They don't have to travel with stuff. You might stay in a hotel just to get away from your yeah. family and, and make it feel like a business trip. But listen, the uh, only I think thing you have to do advantage. the only thing you have to worry about you don't have to get on a plane in two weeks, and that helps yep. with recovery. Um, and you just got to worry about ticket requests. Other than that, yeah. you're good to go. I yeah. mean all right, so yeah. give me the prediction. Oof. All right. I'm going to say Rams squeak this one out 31 to 27. Okay. Although I will be rooting so heavily. So are, are you taking the four and a half points if you can I, find it? I would. I think it's going to be a field goal game or something or close to okay. it. Yeah. I don't know. I think they'll find a way. But a lot of people are calling for the double-digit blowout. I mean, who would have thought last? I mean. The Tampa was just going to blow the doors off Kansas City. So, you never know. It's a strange game. I will say that. I will go with a high-scoring affair, although I don't think it'll be high-scoring early. Super okay. Bowl tends to have, like, you got the bright lights. Yeah, feel so, each other out. Yeah. Yep. So, I am going to say a couple of field goals from that McPherson kid. Will he miss, by the way, in the Super Bowl? Will he miss an extra point or a kick, the Bengals rookie? I don't think so, man. The guy's in a zen zone, man. The guy's cocky as hell. Did you hear him say? He's like, all right, we're on our way to the AFC Championship before he even went out to kick the ball? Yeah. Like, that's – I got to give a kicker. he's going to go down as a legend if they win the Super Bowl. Yeah, especially if he kicks a game winner. I mean, yeah. I didn't realize that Robbie Gold from San Francisco, man, he's never missed a field goal in postseason. He's like 21 to 21. Wow. Yeah. So uh, I also think the Bengals land right around 27 points. What did you say, 31 27? I did. Yep. I'll go 34 27 Rams. Okay. All right. So that's my official brotherly love podcast prediction. All right, John Mita, I know you have right. spread the love. What, yeah. Anything else you want to get into? Well, what was your favorite Baseball Super Bowl Hall of Fame? Su- Super Bowl halftime show. Well, it'll be this one. Okay. I'll be dialed in. Yeah. I don't. I can't. What do we have? We had the Rolling Stones. We've had Prince, Janet yep. Jackson. Yeah. I'm trying to think of some other recent ones. Who was last year? Katy Perry. Oh, um, Uncle. Give me a break. Yeah. Who was it for the birds? Uh, Timberlake. Should have been the roots. <laughs> did you watch any of J Tim in Minnesota, you and Keith Michaels? Oh, yeah. We or did you go fill up your beers and nah, hit I the head? I didn't want to get in a fight in the bathroom, so we stayed in our seats. <laughs> <laughs> well played. Uh, 
Uh, uh, but yeah, Dr. Dre, Snoop Dogg, Eminem, Mary J, one of the queens. Yeah, exactly. Should and be Kendrick Lamar. Yeah, should be You're good. You're most excited for who? Uh, I would say Eminem, man. He's kind of been out of the limelight for a while. You know, he gets back in. He's pretty good. That I would look- agree with that, but I will add this. I, I want to see Dre because I, I know what I'm getting from Snoop Dogg. Okay. Right. Yeah, Mary yeah. J is, like I said, one of the queens of hip hop and R and B. Right. You know, Kendrick's newcomer. I like a few of his tracks, but I want to hear Dre. Like I think of Dre, and you think of the beats, right? Yeah. You think of the the produce, uh, the production. I want to hear Dre, even if it's just a verse or two, you know, on a couple of the tracks. Because I'm sure it's going to be a giant medley, right? A minute of this song, right? A minute exactly. of that song. It's going to sure. be unreal. Yeah. Take us back to the 90s, early 2000s. No doubt. No but no to doubt. hear Dre either on like, you know, Forgot About Dre or... Oh, there's so many, so many know, classes. Keep their heads ringing or whatever it is. Like, I just, I, I want, I, I hear you. I'd love to see Eminem spit because I don't see a lot of it. I've never seen him live. But I want to see Dr. Dre on the mic. Just a couple of fire choruses or verses or just bars whatever it is whatever they have lined up i'm sure it's gonna be amazing exactly exactly over under on the anthem 95 seconds what are you taking over color the gatorade for the winning team fruit punch (laughs) i think it was blue last year so the red you're going red yeah fruit punch up do they ever do any of the wacky colors i don't think they do like no it's like like frost yeah, yeah. Yeah, it's Rip, red, Rip, blue, orange, or Riptide Rush. Yeah. Guess lemon lime. Yeah. Black black ice cherry. Yes. They do not have a black ice cherry. Yeah. Oh, Pretty good. God. Brutal. Yeah. All right. Anything else sports wise you want to get to, John? No, nah, I mean I I think we've covered everything. I mean, I think the biggest thing this is a day of celebration, everyone. The fact that we were able to get Ben Simmons out of town, and here's the other great part. We might have to go through them. And to bring him back in this building. Now, they play the Nets on March 10th. Oh, yeah. I, I highly that game doubt. sold out? I will be in three minutes, I would imagine. <laughs> yeah. But, um, you know, I highly doubt. I highly doubt that he plays. But we'll see. They said he'll be ready after the All-Star break. So, we'll see. Who knows? But he might take a, for him, a mental health day that day. Because Speak. the roar... The crowd is just going to be ridiculous. Oh, every time he touches the basketball, he's going to want to throw up in his mouth. Exactly. He's going to have butterflies like he's never had before, before that game. And yep. God forbid he goes to the free throw line. All right. We'll be, we'll be getting free for all these. Thing, the, I was going to say, the best thing Ben Simmons will do for the city is hook everybody up with a free frosty when he bricks a couple in the fourth quarter. It's coming. And I mean brick. And what would the irony be if they go hack a bet? You know? Oh, you know Doc can't wait to throw out like Paul Reed and Isaiah Joe to just foul the garbage out of Ben Simmons. Oh, my God. Even if the game – like say the Nets are up like 110 to 80-something in the fourth quarter and it's miserable and the fans are wanting to start – Rivers might as well just send out the goons. That's it. Absolutely. And just give us something to to cheer about. Uh, Speaking of all-star break, all-star game, Mm -hmm. the Pro Bowl is a goddamn disgrace. Uh, just, just don't when have it. When did it just become have... two-hand touch? 
Yeah. I mean, yeah. I mean, that was really good. Imagine pathetic. going to that game. Yeah. No, Paying it, money to go to that game. It, it's pretty embarrassing. I embarrassing. Mean, would, yeah. You know, and who would have thought? Find another way to, to help your TV partner so they can pay their bills. Exactly. I agree. And the NHL All-Star game. They did also, a great job. It's, uh, it's on the fence for me now, John yeah. Mita, because well, I love the three-on-three, but the guys aren't playing hard. The NHL All-Star game used to be really no hitting, but right. at least the guys competed. Yeah, yeah. Now um, with three-on-three, it's easier to not compete because there's so much open ice right. that, like, you don't have to back check. Like, it doesn't look, you know, yeah. and it's – I. And the skills competition, the breakaway, like, it's all, I don't know if it was over the top because it was in Vegas. Right. But I was very underwhelmed with certain parts of the skills competition. I haven't watched in a few years because usually the American Hockey League is playing that weekend. Yeah. And so I haven't, you know, like, who watches the All-Star game really anyway? But I haven't been able the last couple of years to even watch any of that stuff for the most part. And I was able to watch some of it this year and it was kind of like uh just underwhelming to be honest look the hardest shot the fastest skater accuracy shooting those things should never change love them to death but they're tri- some of the other gimmick things they're doing i like the fountains with bellagio and it was sort of like uh oh that's what know. the draft's gonna be oh really that's pretty cool what was supposed to be there obviously the pandemic hit but they're like gonna drive up the players like on a boat to the stage yeah. in the middle of the fountain. Well, that was the old plan. God knows yeah. it. But anyway. So they, they did some nice things in Vegas to incorporate the flavor of the Sin City. Sure. But just the overall lack yeah. of competitiveness and some oh. of the gimmicks, too yeah. much for me. Yeah, all-star games are to be desired. Baseball might have the best out of all the professional sports, to be honest. That's a good call because if you're stepping in that batter's box, you better be ready to go. Yeah, I mean, the NBA All-Star game is fun, but they're not trying, like you said. I mean, everyone's just running pickup out there and just whatever. Yeah. Let's not get hurt, you know? Yeah, yeah. So. But, the, but the NFL is tackle football. So why do you have a game where nobody gets tackled? Exactly. You might as well play flag football at that point. Exactly. <laughs> it's embarrassing. Yeah. It was really embarrassing. And the pass rush. Oh, yeah. Guys, guys aren't even... I mean, uncle. they're just standing up. I know it's brutal. It's brutal. I didn't watch really a minute of it. Might have caught a couple plays, but yeah, yeah, it's it's awful. Yeah, I didn't put it on to watch it, but when yeah. it was on and I saw what was occurring, I was like, dude, yeah. this is brutal. Brutal. All right, John, made a little, great little, stuff, man. All right, little yeah, quick spread, spread the love. love. Yeah, you know, you got to give uh, Philadelphia Eagles safety Anthony Harris some props. Um, I don't know if people have heard. It became like a pretty big story. Um, basically, this young girl lost her father. Um, he passed away. And she was like a huge Minnesota Viking fan. And they decided to get in touch with him. And he showed up uh, for the father-daughter dance. And uh, Oh, that's awesome. Yeah. So Back in many or in Philly? Actually, this girl lives in Texas. So they were okay. like Viking fans. And then I guess they moved to Texas. So. But they're, they're huge. They've been huge Viking fans. They got in touch with them through social media, and uh, pretty cool. So, all right, but let's celebrate, baby. All let's right, celebrate. Good stuff. All right, You're the man. It, it's and, gonna be uh, a great summer. It's gonna yeah. be a great summer. It will help take away the sting of the Flyers 
below average oh season. Oh my gosh, they are the dumpster fire right now. To quote you, by uh, by giving us a run to the NBA Finals, that would help get it Big done. T- 10-9-8-76ers. Trust the process. Godspeed, well, John Mita. Good stuff, brother. As always, buddy. Be well. Thanks, everybody, for tuning in. It is the Brotherly Love Podcast. Until next time, we'll see.